everybody. This is Tommy from the Just Ads Podcast. First of all, thank you for listening. And second of all, just wanted you to know this was a relatively tough episode for us to record. Um, you know, we don't, we don't do this podcast to actually make money. Uh, we do it because we think that it will help somebody out there and Honestly, the only way that that's actually going to happen is if you, the listener, are willing to share it on whatever platform it is that you share on, whether that be Instagram, whether that be Twitter, whether that be Facebook, or whether that just be word of mouth and just tell somebody about the Just Dads podcast. Um, you know, we're, n- we're not making money on this, but we do want to grow it. I do think it can help. And again... I just want to thank you for listening and uh, hopefully you get something out of this next podcast. Thanks. <laughs> we're, we're laughing on an intro to <laughs> grief and loss, oh, yeah. but <laughs> so it's a heavy topic tonight, guys, grief and loss, what it means as a husband, what it means as a father, what it means as did I say husband already? I think yeah. I did. As a a man. man. There, there we go. go. <laughs> now we're talking. All right, let's go. air drums as usual brandon <laughs> ah, that's nice i'm getting better at the slide yeah you are <laughs> well welcome back to another uh, episode of the just dads podcast jdp, JDP. if you will <laughs> uh tonight uh we're talking about grief and loss and what it means as a father as a husband as a man as a person really um you know we've all got our own stories we've all got our own issues with that but uh before we get into that uh brandon you got any you got any yeah I, updates I from I the last week yeah i don't think i have anything big to talk about uh um i would say um in a uh one of the things that we talked about was club time and you know figuring out your own kids i'm i just started I had historically done books with my oldest kid, and now my middle kid, she wants to start reading with me, so we started a book together, so it's kind of pretty good. It's called The Secret Zoo. She's about nine, so it's pretty right up her alley as far as content and level of reading and everything, so. Right up your alley for level Yeah, you know, (laughs) there's just no pictures, otherwise it'd be perfect. (laughs) So yeah, it's it's called The Secret Zoo. I actually don't know the name of the offer, but yeah, it's, it's it's been adding another level to our relationship where we can talk about that book. You know, she gets excited. Nice. So, yeah. So, anyways, nice. that's probably the the biggest news that I can think of. Still, okay. oh, I will tell you, this will be Uh-oh. a local appreciation. You know, uh, so Bengals lost again, obviously. Uh, obviously. Yeah. Obviously. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but what was great is it was the first pretty much full game where my five year old sat down and watched the game with me. Right. Oh. Yeah. I mean, he took a little break to go run around in the basement for a little bit, but. Anyways, you know, we're excited. We're doing well. We're high-fiving each other. And he's like, you know, full-on enjoying an NFL game with, you know, with dad. And it's 
and it's great and you know you see his emotions throughout and then he and he's like you can start to see the consternation on his face as the numbers start to <laughs> go start the to wrong way, start going <laughs> the wrong way. and then I, I remember distinctly i was like ah oh. So uh, sorry to tell you this, they're not going to win. You're and raising I, a Bengals fan. That's I, the problem. Well, here you go, Tommy. You're, you didn't <laughs> let me finish. No joke. I was like, son, it, it doesn't look like we're going to win this game, even though, you know, we started out that way. And uh, you guys aren't going to see this, but full on, he, he put his hands in his face and went like that. And I was, it was just a moment of pride and sorrow at the same well, time. Pride welcome to the club. Welcome to the club. <laughs> <laughs> you are, a, uh, as a five-year-old, already feeling the full effects of being a Bengals fan. So that's, anyways. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that is awesome. It was like, yeah, I've passed it on. Wait, why did I do that? <laughs> <laughs> Misery loves company. That's right. So anyways, uh, that's probably the other funny thing that happened recently. So. Uh, all right. Well, well, before I introduce our guest, I'll go through my own little, my own little recap here. So last time we talked that I was going to go to Hocking Hills and last week Kelly and I we left the kids here my sister stayed with the kids uh we're trying to make this a yearly thing and as usual it was awesome uh October at Hocking Hills we lucked out again with the weather it was like 70 and sunny and it was perfect the hiking was awesome. I will say the trails were like crazy busy. Like we've never seen it like that, but you know, that's COVID because you know, you're outdoors. Yeah. Kelly and I, we've, we've, we've found Hocking Hills for us is perfect. It's that perfect medium of, we love being outside and being outdoors, but we don't like camping. <laughs> so <laughs> we get a cabin, like we stayed at the Zen and Spa. She got a massage one day and she did that and I can't stand that. It makes me very uncomfortable, but she loves it. And I went on like a, you know, eight mile hike while she was getting a massage. It was like, it was the nice. perfect balance of we've kind of hit our stride in terms of understanding each other and what each other likes. And we're, you know, have breakfast together and it's kind of the place we go out and includes breakfast. We love that. And it's got a nice dinner. And then we just, you know, we hike and enjoy nature and is highly recommend. Nice. So. That's a good throwback to, you know, scheduling your time and dating your wife episodes. So For sure. Nicely done. For sure. So. Encouragement, affirmation. Well, thank you. <laughs> it was, it was, uh, it was, it was very nice. Awesome. So, I yeah. hear that. so anyway, so my, uh, my wife is having surgery next week. So when you hear this, if it's before Monday, maybe say a few prayers for her to make sure that that goes all right. Definitely. So I'll give you an update on that on the next one. But yeah. uh, on on uh, on to the next one, no Johnny furlough today. So sorry. But, yeah. We'll miss you, know, you, Johnny. What are you going to do? But the new and improved Johnny... <laughs> We that's have. brutal. <laughs> Don't worry. Johnny won't listen to the episodes. No. So he won't hear that comment. Oh, that's tough. That's tough. Uh, so talking grief and loss and literally one of the stories uh, that has affected me as a, as a man that I heard. Uh, he is currently one of the leaders of our father's group that we've talked about, you know, a million times on this podcast. Uh, he's got a story that's just unbelievable and he'll get into it, but, uh, welcome to the program. If that's what you want to call whatever the heck <laughs> we're doing, <laughs> Mr. Sean. Hey, Sean. Hey. 
Welcome. Thank you. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah. So, hey, uh, so we got this here. little thing. Oh, um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to go through the gauntlet yeah. of the questions. Okay. He hasn't. He hasn't. Yeah, you he don't, don't know, know this. We, we do like a little guest <laughs> corner uh, rapid fire question. A little mad minute. Uh, yeah. Type deal. Well, yeah, yes. I got a handful yeah. of questions. Anyways, real quick, if you want to, you know, whatever you're comfortable <laughs> sharing with, if, your, if your you want to, but we're going to ask him anyway. Well, no, sure. You know, you can give generic dad credentials if you want. Like, you know, what's your situation if you if you want to share? So. Sure, my dad credentials. I've been a dad officially for eleven years. Um, I've got uh, four kids, uh, two two daughters, eleven and seven, almost eight, and then our boys uh, just turned. Well, hold on, eight, almost nine. Our boys just turned seven. Sorry, uh, we've, so we've got two twin, identical twin boys. Nice. Uh, with our uh, our bogo on the last round. <laughs> there you go. So, yeah. So. Right been dad for 11 years i okay. love it right yeah, i'm a proud husband as well first and foremost actually so right on all right hey, a little that is not that is not even the questions i thought you were going with well I mean, no we always start those with are the easy ones yeah all right so welcome to guest corner here we go um actually are you, you're a local cincinnatian or born bred right. i i am as bengalized as anybody <laughs> <All right>. perfect <laughs> so we got some national preferences and local we'll start with the national okay uh coke versus pepsi don't drink soda, but if I had to, it'd be Coke. Coke, nice. Uh, what What do you call fuzzy, or what do you fuzzy call soda? Drinks. Soda or pop? Soda, soda pop, yeah. Coke. Okay, soda, soda. nice. All right, uh, well, I have a feeling you won't be able to accurately answer this question. We've been asking people McDonald's, Burger King, or Chick-fil-A. Why don't you think I can accurately answer that question? Well, if you don't drink pop, you might not eat fast food. It's true, so. it's true. Um, <laughs> so my preference would be Chick-fil-A, though I can't, uh, they're... Their uh, chicken sandwich doesn't agree with me, so I have to do their salads. But my kids love them, and so gotcha. uh, I can keep everybody happy by pulling through Chick-fil-A. Nice. I'm willing to bet Chick-fil-A is going to run a clean sleep you of think that so? question. But it, I, it has so far. Okay. Yeah, yeah. since we incorporated the, the three. Yeah. Yeah, it was Chick-fil-A versus Popeyes, but we figured that wasn't close enough. So, <laughs> uh, NFL versus soccer? NFL. I, 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 don't, I can't follow any sport where the cu- clock counts up. <laughs> I've never heard that. That's good. <laughs> oh, that's so Listen, funny. We're a little backwards in soccer. What are you gonna do? <laughs> we just make up the rules as we go. I, just, I can't. I can't understand where the urgency is. I'm like, when's the game gonna end? That's we'll so find out later. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> that's the best answer I've ever heard. Well done. <laughs> Uh, this kind of feels cheesy afterwards after that excellent answer iphone versus android iphone i converted a few years ago nice nice uh skyline versus gold star uh this is a i'm torn uh skyline yeah probably right on i mean i don't thumb my nose at uh, gold star but my kids just love skyline Skyline. right on yeah we had a guest last week eric you know Mm -hmm. never had any cincinnati chili so oh man it's on my on my to-do list to take him for his first time um eli's versus uh montgomery Eli's. Eli's. Hands down. Yeah. All right. Uh, Grippo's versus Husman's. Grippo's. Yeah. There's something about those barbecue chips. I'm telling I, there's I, like it, lace. It is, it's literally only crack. their barbecue chips, though. It is. It is. Yeah. So, for yeah, me. Yeah. That's fair. I'm not sure. Like, what else do they make? They make all kinds of stuff. I'm sure, but like. Yeah. But that, <laughs> that's the go to. Yeah. yeah. It's like JTM and Grippo's right. or just anything in Grippo's. Barbecue. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. All right. Uh, moving out from the. Versus and going to what's your favorite sports team? It can be any level or any type of sport. 
in any sports team. I love college football. Okay. Always loved it. And uh, in particular, it's kind of sacrilege to even say it in Ohio, but uh, SEC football is my favorite. Whoa. So uh, I'll follow the Tennessee Volunteers. I, I went to school there for a little bit sure. and uh, love their football, though they've been on a Bengal streak in the last 10 years. <laughs> good, so. of, since Peyton apparently, left. Apparently Orange <laughs> is Orange, not. Orange is a But I'll also cheer You mean the, since T. Martin Bulldogs. left. Yep, that's right. I was that was the year I was there when they there you went go. undefeated. T. T. Martin, oh, he, he actually won a national championship. Yeah, he's a <laughs> quarterback after Peyton Manning. Yeah, yeah. for a year. No. Right on. Uh, do you have a favorite band or music genre? Gosh, I love all types of music. Though, if if you were to ask my wife, I'm always listening to country music, and oh. I think my favorite musician toss up is either Garth Brooks. Yep. And you, uh, lately has been Dolly Parton. No, yeah, no kidding. Yeah, she's super pretty random. Amazing, it is super random, <laughs> yeah. but I, I watched a documentary on oh, her, and yeah. she is an absolute brilliant woman. Oh, and yeah. It's just amazing. So Amazing voice, mm-hmm. brilliant songwriter, all that. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I, I'm digging you on that. Giant breasts. What? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I, I never noticed. Yeah, I don't I know noticed. what you're talking about. Interesting. <laughs> Is that a thing? I'm going to have to. <laughs> wow, Tommy coming out strong tonight. <laughs> uh, moving on. Current TV or book binge? Uh, current TV or book binge. The most recent was um, Ted Lasso, which is on Apple TV, and it's actually about f- soccer of all sports. No but yeah, but it's 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 hilarious. It's no it's kid. a great binge bingeable watch. So it's around the sport because you don't want to well, so the clock. Yeah, go so up. I don't want to become a coach. Yeah, yeah no, like, you don't really watch much of soccer in it. Yeah. It's not about that. Um, so the premise, it's almost like Major League. You remember the movie? Oh yeah. And it's kind of a jilted woman who's trying to get back at her ex-husband type deal. Well, take that, put it in uh, Great Britain and swap out baseball for soccer. And so the way that she does it, she goes and uh, recruits a hillbilly from the sticks of the United States (laughs) to coach this European (laughs) Premier League soccer soccer team. That sounds amazing. And like this guy, um, he's in... Basically, uh, he's he's impossible not to like. Okay, gotcha. And so it's like this character development. Oh. It's, it's fun to watch, and right. it's, it's comedy. It's it's pretty good. I'm gonna check that out. Thank you for that. That's that's why we asked that question. There you go. You're just options. you're just you're just surfing for like new <laughs> that's stuff. Exactly. To watch. Yeah. <laughs> I keep I keep, keep telling what my latest books I've read and music, and these guys never offer up anything. So. <laughs> well, all right, and then our our all of us read. <laughs> <laughs> I don't read so good. <laughs> All right. And th- this is our uh, our, our cl- club banger hit here. Uh, this came from Eric, actually. Eric and uh, Heather came up with it. It's called The Mushroom Theory. I don't know if you've okay. heard it or not. No, I have not. All right. So between you and your wife, who likes mushrooms and who doesn't? Or does it not fit that mold? I I would. We both like mushrooms, but we don't eat very many of them. Okay. So I'm, yeah. So she doesn't dislike mushrooms, but I can't say we uh, cook very often with mushrooms. Okay. Yeah. So. The, the theory is, which we're, we're about 80, 85% is one in a relationship likes them and one or likes or tolerates and I don't just won't eat them. So, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Yep. So, you- no, no, our, um, our, our division is uh, goat cheese. 
she won't eat anything with goat cheese on it and I, not that i blame her i don't particularly like it but i'd i'll eat a salad and gotcha goat cheese. <laughs> she could smell it from a mile away and she won't touch it interesting so, yeah so it'd be goat the, cheese the goat cheese house. edition i like that yep. <laughs> Well, well, that's that's it. That's thank you for uh, uh, participating in the guest corner. It was, was fun to hear, hear some things. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll move on to the next uh, segment. Oh yeah. <laughs> After the last cutoff, I got I got made fun of on my DJing skills. So you know what are you You've gonna been do? practicing? <laughs> Not <Set>. really. Yeah. <laughs> so, still, which is kind of the problem. I'm still yeah. digging that music though. Thank you to Sadbox. That's that's some good. Yeah, music. yeah it is. Pretty. It is. So uh, so that's a little upbeat music for uh, for what we're talking about. But you know, grief, loss. Uh, I'm. To different degrees, I'm going to guess everybody who's listening to this is, has gone through it. Um, some have much more extreme stories than others. I know, Sean, you'll go through some of yours. Yours is a pretty extreme story. I've never heard anything quite uh, quite on that level. Hmm. Um, I've got my, my own personal stories, and, and Brandon, you do as well, but... You know, we'll kind of go through our own as we as we roll through this. But I think as you're hearing this, it's like, what can you take out of somebody else's story? What you know, how do you how do you deal with it as a father? How do you deal with it as just a well? Let's even back up. Forget forget as a father. How do you deal with it personally? Right, right. Because we're right. all just people. Right. Like, um, and and we do have a lot of women listeners to this, even though it's a just ads podcast. So I think they try to get in the heads of of men, uh, for that for that listener. But I do think men and women, generally speaking, deal with grief differently. And I think uh, I think you'll hear that. At least I have that in my own personal story. Um, but sure. um. So yeah, I don't know who who wants to go first. That's a, that's a... I can I can get started. All right. <laughs> well, I, I just you know thinking about the, whole, the the concept high level, I think it's interesting to think back to the first time it really happened and how you handle it, and then as you've grown and mature and kind of looked at it that way. Because I would say I've been blessed in the fact that I've had very little grief and loss in my life, um, and that's aside from personal failures and things like that. That's that's a whole different story. This is. Um, but you know, I've, I've lost three of my five grandparents, which is, you know, you know, there's a step grandparent in there. Um, and you know, those, I was wondering how the math worked Um, you know, so, uh, you know, I, that was, you know, my grandma was my first, you know, major loss. I was serving at the time in a way. So I had to work out a deal to come back and attend the funeral and all that. Um, I, I'll tell you, it just kind of like took me, caught me off guard just because I hadn't experienced it at all yet at that point. Um, and, you know, I could be wrong here. My, you know, my parents, if they ever listen, might correct me on that. But I'm, you know, just trying to think back when we were getting ready for this episode. And I remember, it, you know, I was, you know, young in the service, unattached, you know, no significant other, no children. So it was just me to deal with it. But also I'm in this 
<clears throat> and this is, you know, a, a stereotype, but in this kind of macho environment. And I remember I had to, you know, tell my superior that, you know, I just lost my grandma and I need to figure out the way to go home, if I could even go home. And it was still, you know, in a training period where it's not necessarily acceptable to miss some of your training, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, I just remember once it, I was you know, telling my you know, superior what was going on, what happened. And then I think, if I remember correctly, and he, he was a fantastic leader. Um, and, you know, I didn't fully appreciate it at the time. But he's like, you know, all right, we'll work out the logistics, but how are you feeling? And as soon as I, he asked that question and I took a breath, it's when the emotion hit. And, you know, I'm in uniform, in the barracks, and I'm crying. And I'm like, this is the most embarrassing thing. But I also kind of didn't care at the same time because I was just like, oh, wow, how do I feel about it? You know, so <clears throat> I think that was my first exposure. And there was the part of me that was instantly trying to bite it back down, you know, uh, you know, just bite, mm -hmm. swallow the emotion, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, especially with, with, with the scenario I was in. And, uh, and then... So that was kind of surprising. And then going home, you know, we worked out the logistics and I was able to go home to attend a funeral. And I think for me, you know, I, you know, I was sad I lost my grandma, but I think I was having a harder time dealing with other people's emotions. And when someone else would cry, it would, it would like double down on my emotion. And then if someone would wail or, or just, you know, even just a solitary tear, you know, someone else's face would you know, amplify the emotion that I was feeling there. So I think that all was my first exposure to it. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't give myself a high score on how I handled it. But I remember thinking, this is, you know, this is life. You gotta, you, you gotta walk through these emotions. And I was definitely immature at that point. And, um, and so I think each, each, you know, scenario after that with my other grandparents, it was, you know, I feel like I helped you know, handled it better and not better. That's not the right way, but you know, I was able to, you know, maybe deal with the emotions. I had a little more experience if I'm saying that right. So. Yeah. I mean, I think you, you said it on the last episode with emotional intelligence. Maybe that wasn't the last one. Yeah. I don't know our order. We've yeah. done it, but <laughs> yeah. you know, you're a very empathetic person. So I can see how you seeing other people process emotions like, it affects you. Absolutely. You know, yeah. you absorb other people's emotions. So I'm going to guess funerals and other things like that are, are very, it, it just probably amplifies whatever it is that you're feeling. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly what, what I'm talking about. And then I'll get to where I really, you know, felt that cause you know, grandparents are in your life and you know, depending on, you know, the age and the generation and the, the constant, but where I really felt like a deep personal connection, this is, you know, not a shade at my grandparents. I love my grandparents. It was that this was at my time in the military, one of my best friends, mm -hmm. you know, we had at this point, you know, we both had kids and, you know, our spouses knew each other and we'd gone on vacations together. We had Thanksgiving together and we were starting to build a life together. And we had even talked about after service where we'd live in the same city, even though we were from different sides of the country and, you know, you know, we, we were talking about this long-term relationship and then all of a sudden he was gone, you know? Um, <clears throat> and I think that was probably where I had to step in as significant other, you know, you know, my wife at the time. And I had a child that was semi-cognizant because her, you know, friends from that relationship, you know, they're, they were still young, I think around four at that point, three or four, something like that. Uh, 
all of a sudden she couldn't quite understand why his dad wasn't there anymore. And so mm-hmm. we're walking through that now. Again, she was still pretty young, so it wasn't a full fledged emotion, you know. So, so I so I know the story a little bit, but like it was it was a tragic tragic accident. Absolutely. Like it was like a it wasn't like a health thing where it was but like it was like sudden. Yes, yeah. So he's, you know, he had just had his second kid. I think the kid was about 8 months old when it happened. And he he had a like I said 4-year-old or something. But he was uh, he had served. He was served in the Marine Corps, and uh, oddly enough, he made it through some really intense combat and came back and was on his twilight tour, which is the tour you do right before you get out. Mm-hmm. And he was traveling across the country for his military move. His wife and kids were in a van, and he was driving the U-Haul, and the, and the, the tire blew out, okay. and it it caused him to pull hard against income hit oncoming traffic, and you know they they air carried him out, but he didn't make it. So it was sudden. And I remember I getting the call from his brother. Hey, I want to let you know he's been taken to the hospital. But I didn't have my phone on me at the time. Mm-hmm. By the time I got back to it, then there was another voicemail and then the final voicemail was saying, you know, Gosh. he's no longer with us. And I remember um, I've mentioned this in this podcast before. My wife's not very emotional, you know, in comparison. I'm the emotional one in the marriage. Uh, like watching her have a true emotion about this because you know this is one of our family friends, um, and really just it just hit home like he's gone. And all of a sudden, it was like, what is going on, you know? And my entire life trajectory just kind of shifted because, you know, uh, again, anyways, wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a while since I've talked about this, so it's uh, starting to come back at me. Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah, no, it's... <clears throat> Dang. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, it was sudden and, you know, just the heart, the heartache of knowing that the, the wife was going to be raising these kids, which there's some really cool testimony from it. Um which, you know, I can share offline, but, uh, you know, knowing that she was going to now be raising these kids that didn't have a father and all that. And his family was amazing and they rallied around her and, uh, you know, it all, it all worked out. But I remember at the funeral, like it was almost surreal. Like I, I wasn't really feeling my emotion. I was still not even processing it properly, mm-hmm. but like you said, you would see someone else have the emotion and then it would just like double down. Um, but I, I will tell you his, his wife, she was an she was an anchor. I mean, she 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 was phenomenal during the ceremony, and you know it was really cool uh, military cer- you know ceremony and all that. But anyways, so yeah, uh, I would say that that part, kind of that loss. It's interesting how you, you have these ideas of how you can handle things, and then it it suddenly happens, and you just kind of almost I don't want to say numb because it's almost oh, cliche, baby. but it's like it, it, it's almost like you're kind of out of body body like this isn't real. This can't be true. And, you know, I'm still having to go to work and figure out how I'm going to do it. And uh, coincidentally, my brother's wedding was like four days after the funeral. So I was in the middle of this, you know, high and low emotion all at the same time. So anyways, that's kind of my story. Yeah. I I mean, bring up a good point though. Um, There's so much that goes into grief in the way that people do grieve. And one of the things that I've learned is that we all do it differently. And not only does our personality and our, our our personality uh, help um, determine how we're going to grieve, but also the circumstances leading up to the death. Mm. Like for a grandparent, like, am I sad? Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's almost an acceptance that this is a natural order of things. Like, yeah. oh, they've right. lived a good life or whatever. But then when something happens and it's cut short abruptly, mm. and that's a, that's a wholly, wholly different scenario yeah. and circumstance and 
there's a, just a, a laundry list of different things that you're going to navigate going through that grief versus what that grief would have, what grief looks like if you lose a grandparent or, you know, yeah. I mean, or lose anything for that matter, but yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, I mean, so you, so you kind of alluded to it, right? So you're in the military, he was in a combat zone. Like if he would have lost his life in a combat zone, mm-hmm. like I, I'm not, I was not in the military, mm-hmm. but like, I feel like that would have felt different than the, than this out of left field. Like, all right, he made it through that. Right. Right. Yeah. He was in the clear. Right. He was, you know, and then to have that tragic left turn. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, that's all super accurate in that. Like, you know, every time he went on deployment, it was like, okay, well, you know, it's possible. It's possible. Right. Sure you know, sure. it was, it was, it was right in the heat of it and it's very possible. And every time I came back, it's like, you know, thank God. And, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. so grateful my friend's back. And, and then, you know, he got orders, he's done. He's on his twilight tour. It's, it's over. The, the risk is gone. And now he can go do his final tour and then we can, you know, I'll get out, he'll get out and we'll, you know, and our families will mm-hmm. join up and blah, blah, blah. So yeah, that's a, that's a solid point that, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. But I, I will, I will say. On top of that, I've mentioned this before, I didn't have that. He was my, he and another guy who was, you know, I would say it was kind of like a best friend group. Um, I didn't have, and we were all stationed in different places, so I didn't really have a solid guys group like I do now. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, I can't really speak to handling the grief and because at that point it was just really you know my spouse and i were leaning on each other at that point and you know so it's interesting yeah. now that i'm thinking about it i feel like now i would have you and johnny to talk to and other you know other guys mm-hmm. at the church and um but back then it was just us processing that together and you know again we're raising young children at that point and stuff so yeah uh i don't i mean my faith was there that you know that was the solid foundation that i had to, to point to um but yeah it's definitely you know faith has has its part in it but there's just true human emotion you go through at the same time so for sure yeah for sure well (laughs) well first of all thanks for sharing that because i know it's you know i've heard the story before but it's still you know tough yeah Uh, you know i well here i how about it i'll i'll go through my (laughs) my my story We'll, we'll say we'll save the best Oh, that's best <laughs> slash worst. Yeah. For the last. Yeah, yeah, that's sure a distinction. Yeah. I have, that's true. Yeah. Uh, so, so loss for me is like, I'm very rose colored glasses person. Like I, it, I had to actually think for a minute. I was like, what is loss? And then I remembered back to the time of, you know, it was probably, well, it was probably around nine years ago. Right. Cause I've got, kid that just turned 11 and we've got our Joe who's who just turned eight so um so we had our two kids they were awesome they were healthy whatever we were pregnant with our third kid we were in the second trimester maybe maybe I mean we were we were in the clear right totally good I'm getting ready to go. I'd just taken over this team at work. Um, I was 
a young leader at our, at our work. And we had, we were playing, we were getting ready to go on this big retreat. It was going to, we were going to leave like the next day. We're getting all the details. I get a phone call from Kelly that she was at her appointment and they don't hear the heartbeat of the kid. And it was, you know, I just, I remember where I was. It was terrible. It was, you know, why? And it was like, all right, is this fun? You know, and I rushed to get there and it was like, all right, the retreat's off. Like, I don't know what's going on. Like <laughs> you guys can go on the retreat if you want, but I'm not going. And it was just like, and, and long story short, she ended up having to deliver the baby. Like it would like, we were far enough along that like we had to deliver the baby. Mm. And then it was, you know, we got to hold the baby and it was, it, it was just, it was, it was awful. And it makes you question like why, and you've run through the gambit of emotions of, you know, she, she immediately jumped to, we want more kids. And then that's even actually too far as we're trying to figure out, all right, how do we, how do we grieve? How do we deal with this? How do we talk with kids about it? And to this day, actually, our two kids, they were probably too young at the time because they were, I don't know, four and two at the mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. They still don't know about it now that I think about it because we just haven't brought it up. Mm, sure. Um, so maybe if you're listening to this, maybe don't bring it up with our kids. <laughs> <laughs> so if you know us, yeah. uh, we will. Um our oldest too, and they're probably ready for it. I'm not sure our little guy's ready for it yet. Um, but so we actually we decided to have a funeral because one of our good friends and and I've actually never been back to the gravesite, but it was very good closure for us. Yeah. Um, it's in Spring Grove Cemetery, beautiful cemetery, and we had a funeral for the baby. We decided not to name the baby, mm -hmm. so it's just Baby Myers. There's a, there's a headstone in there and it just run, it, you run through the gambit of like, why and why does my wife have to go through this and her emotions? And it, it would, I went into instantly into like protector mode, right? I don't mm. know if any guys can relate to that, but I went instantly into, all right, this is, this is my crew. I'm going to protect Kelly. I'm going to protect, you know, we're good. We've got two kids. They're healthy. They're awesome. Like we don't need any more. Kelly probably went to the opposite side of that. She's like, you know, and I felt in some respects, her immediate emotion was like, I can have another kid. I want to have another kid. I want it immediately. We had to kind of go through and work through that. Mm -hmm. and, it, and losing a kid, especially like that was just like, it was, it was hard because the one thing that everybody said, not everybody, I shouldn't say that. I want to back up because I had, I had a one friend, my friend, my buddy, Adam, it was awesome. Like yeah. he got me through this whole thing and he was there for me and you know, he's a teacher. So I don't know if he was trained in it or if, you know, God just helped him with it, but he was, he helped me process it. He was just, he just went there and he's like, Hey, you want to go hang out and have a beer? We can talk about it. We can not talk about it. We can, you know, it wasn't, 
a lot of other people went through and they want to tell you their version of losing a, you know, miscarriages and all this. And Mm -hmm. to me, this wasn't a miscarriage to me. This was like losing a kid. Mm. It was, and I don't want to downplay miscarriages because I, I, I personally didn't have that. Kelly and I, we were, we were blessed in that, but we, we had this, I didn't view this as a miscarriage. I viewed this as losing a child Mm -hmm. and that's just where my head went. And, and I think it's a lesson in grief looking back on it is I don't want to, I don't want to tell other people like, I want people, I want to be there for people. I don't want to say, Hey, I understand because of this. And it's mm. like, because yeah. so many people did that. And it was just like, yeah, I mean, I get that, but this, this is different for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's exactly the same. I don't know, but mm-hmm. like, it doesn't matter. Like I didn't want to hear that. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, I didn't want to hear that. And it was just like, and so many people, whether it be miscarriages or whether it be losing a child, whether it be whatever, so many people rallied around Kelly. So many people are about the wife are about, and, and, and I was too, I, I was right there with them, mm-hmm. but virtually nobody thinks about the dad mm-hmm. in that mm-hmm. situation. And like I said, thank God for, for my buddy, Adam, who was awesome through it but like he was my go-to and we've talked about it a million times of having a wolf pack this was before i was really into crossroads and had a good small group you know friend group and all that but you know he was there he was there for me and it was absolutely invaluable so long story short for the longest time and and we're actually, our church is kind of going through this journey of, you know, God is good. And then it would, they flipped it around to, is God good? And all this other stuff. And they talked about the idea of, you know, why do, why do horrible things happen? Like what, what good can possibly come from it? And, you know, for the longest time, I was like, absolutely nothing good came out of that experience Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. other than just knowing you can survive horrible things, which like, that's kind of a, that's kind of a bullshit. Like I, I'm, I'm just, (laughs) I don't, I don't need that lesson. Like, (laughs) it's like just saying I can survive is a, but one, uh, John's wife actually pointed out the fact that my third son, Joe, who's awesome, he is the happiest kid you'll ever meet. Like he's just an awesome kid. He wouldn't exist if this didn't happen. Cause we were going to have sure. three kids. We we're going to be done. He literally wouldn't exist. And I don't know what was destined for baby Myers. You know, like I heard all the medical explanations. There was probably something wrong, you know, who knows. Right. But I know Joe wouldn't exist and, and that's like nine years later. So you may not know. Mm. And it literally hit me. Like, it was like, Oh, Joe wouldn't exist. Mm. Like he, he really, Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's meant to exist to go do whatever it is that he's 
meant to do in the world. And he's already brought a bunch of joy in the world. And, Absolutely. You know, and cool kid. He's a cool kid, and you know. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know exactly know where I'm going with it, but it was just it was just a story that is. It was it's part of my life, and you know, made me think. I gotta I gotta bring the kids. We gotta bring our kids into it, but. It's been nine years since then, but it's still, man, when you, when you feel deep grief, yeah, like you remember, like it never goes away. Right. No, it doesn't. But. It comes back quickly. When you start to like <laughs> right. scratch the star. <laughs> Seriously. It comes back really. Was not expecting when that When you were tonight. telling the story, yeah. Like, yeah. you yeah. tell. Yeah. It comes back quickly. You yeah. think that like, oh yeah, I've dealt with it. And right. you have, but the pain is still there to be felt because well, because it was real. Yeah. 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 So. That's a solid point. Yeah. I, so, you know, you don't have to answer this, but are, are you thinking, you, can, you, you, you know, well, one, if you plan to tell your children, do you have a, a, a formed attack on how you're going to help them deal with the grief or maybe nope. they won't even grieve it. I'm not even sure how that would, what would go with it, but. Legit, I have no idea no what idea. we're going to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It was. It was one of those things that maybe, you know, maybe that's why it's a good topic to talk about because I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know how they'll deal with it. Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I haven't personally, and I actually, I'm not sure. I don't think Kelly has either. I haven't been back to the gravesite, and I'm, I'm not somebody who naturally dwells on negative things. Like mm-hmm. you've known me for a long, like yeah. I haven't been back to my dad's gravesite either. Like I, I, but but I'm okay with that. Like, I don't feel like I need to. Sure. I do feel like I need to bring my kids into knowing that there was a fourth, you know, yeah. there was a fourth kid. It's unnamed, yeah. but you know, anyway, so. Has it been an agreement not to bring it up until you're ready or is it just something? That- no, it's just kind of been something that's out there. It's something like, I, I actually, I gotta, I gotta talk to Kelly about to, yeah. to figure through what, I mean, do we consciously, do we want to wait? Do we not want to wait? Like it, it hasn't been a, like they were so young that they just didn't know. And then we were grieving and then we were healing and then we were, you know, mm-hmm. it was about us and the kids, you know, they were fine whatever. Mm-hmm. They, they never knew any different. So they just know there's a little bit bigger gap between, you know, John and Joe mm-hmm. than there is between Ellie and John. Yeah. Like it was, yeah. but they don't think twice about it. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't know where we're going with that, but well, I'm here for you when you decide what you yeah, decide. No, so. I, <laughs> yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, I definitely well, do. Well, thanks for sharing, man. Wow. So yeah, it's good. Yeah. Crazy stuff. Yeah. Well, Sean, you, yeah. you got. <laughs> you got uh, I've I've heard parts of your story, but sure. What uh, I don't know. How do, so, how do you want to introduce yeah. any of this? Well, I mean, the topic being grief. I mean, I think like you, Brandon, growing up, I didn't have much experience with grief outside of losing some grandparents. Mm-hmm. And like I mentioned that it was upsetting when I like lost my grandfather. I was, I was close to him, but I think I was in like the fourth or fifth grade. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think they're just a, one, there wasn't the maturity to fully grasp what was going on. And two, being older or well being a grandparent they're just i think there was kind of this preconceived notion that oh well, this is well, they, the order of things right, right. They, like and and you know i go back to like i don't feel like 
similarly like first of all i never actually knew three of my grandparents like they didn't exist they were gone before i even existed and even my other one i was still pretty young but even in losing my dad which you know it's my dad i knew him mm-hmm. all the way growing up he was sick for a long time he was older he lived a great life yes i grieved but it was totally not the same as what i'm what i was referring to in that last story it right. was mm-hmm. Like I felt at totally at peace with, all right, that's awesome. He's in a better place. Like he suffered with cancer for years. Like it was mm-hmm. like, all right, we're good. Like yeah. I got to say goodbye. It was a long drawn out process. It was, he kind of went out on his own terms. It mm-hmm. was, yes, there's grief, but it's different. Like, it, which is what you're kind of right. alluding to. Right. So Definitely hadn't experienced grief um, like I was about to. Um, so smooth sailing for the first 28, 29 years of my life. And uh, so 28, year, or 28 years old, happily married. Uh, so we are expecting our first, um, our firstborn. And uh, uh, day before Thanksgiving, we've, my wife calls me and says, uh, you know, she's having some heart palpitations and uh, need to go to the doctor. And so went to the doctor thinking, well, we're just going to get like some medicine. Maybe it's like acid reflux, something uh, to do with the pregnancy. And um, they basically say, yeah, you're, you've got irregular heartbeats. We're going to, you know, admit you just to be cautious and, and, uh, uh, here's, you know, we're, we're just going to monitor you. And then, you know, we're hopefully make it as far into the pregnancy as possible, deliver a healthy baby, things will return to normal and you'll be on your way. Well, that was <clears throat> November. We weren't due until March and, um, we were there, um, had some ups and downs uh, health wise in the, in the hospital, but, uh, come January 11th, uh, her body had just had enough, like her, her heart just couldn't take it any longer. And, um, she went into labor and the doctors came in, they, they kind of did an assessment. Can we stop the labor and all this other stuff? And they decided no, they needed to deliver. So Lily, our oldest was born at 29 weeks, two days. She was two pounds, six ounces, mm. super small, uh, micro preemie. Um, <clears throat> they, they had rushed Marty back into, in the surgical room. They had to deliver via c-section and i wasn't allowed to be back there so um you know go get, meet lily for his first time and post-surgery they moved uh, marty to an intensive care unit uh, where they monitor her for about a week and then she showed improvement and it was great she came home uh, lily obviously being a preemie she had to stay in the nicu for the foreseeable future and so we're, we're home for uh, about a, a month almost, not quite. And um, we're making our daily trips to the hospital together to visit Lily and doing all the things that parents do when their kids are in the NICU is, you know, uh, you spend as much time there as you can. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the meantime, you know, Marty's healing from the, from the delivery. And uh, so <clears throat> what's interesting uh, is because her heart wasn't beating properly, 
she she wasn't flushing all the fluids from the pregnancy mm. and so they went to a follow-up or she went to a follow-up appointment and they said well you know you really should be flushing these fluids we're gonna we're just gonna the pills aren't working so we're just gonna send you to hospital and they're gonna put ivs in you and and do lasix which basically flushes out the body and um that was it so uh she she was in the hospital for a day and then on tuesday it was tuesday morning is February 10th, five in the morning, I was on my way to the gym and I got a call from her phone and it wasn't her on the other end of the phone. It was the doctor saying, Hey, you've got to, you've got to get here right away. And I was like, why, what's wrong? And they wouldn't tell me. And I pressed them and they said, well, uh, Marty's, Marty stopped breathing and we're trying to recover her right now, but you need to get here. Mm. So I fly to the hospital. I mean, it's like five minutes from our house. Because uh, we we just thought we were there for you know flushing fluids, we didn't need to be at like a, a great hospital or whatever. Not that the hospital we were at was bad; it's just um, yeah. it is what it is. It was close to home, and I get I get there, I call her dad, and tell him that they need to get there, and uh, they sent me in a little room. Uh, it was like a, a physical therapy room. I can remember it really well, and sitting there by myself before they show up. They show up. And they're not there from two minutes before the doctor comes in and tells us that they lost her and she, she died that morning. And, um, you know, that, that definitely was a shock. Like we, we knew that we had a long road to recovery, but that was never, mm. um, I think how maybe just, I don't know if I was in ignorant bliss of, just having a daughter and my wife making it through the surgery or the delivery and what, but, um, I mean, it's like, you know, the, the wind didn't get knocked out of my sail, the, the boat capsized. I mean, it, <laughs> every, everything that we had planned, the life that we had planned together was gone. I mean, and, um, just sitting in that shock was, just unbelievable. I think, you know, my, my first real journey in the grief started in just complete shock. Yeah. And, um, so that set off, um, you know, a course of events. And so we buried Marty on Valentine's day in 2009 and we're at, uh, we're at her funeral. There's gosh, there was no, seating room. It was standing room over only. There was an overflow, um, in our church, there's a, a chapel where they put, would put the overflow. Uh, it's a large church. And so there, I, I would estimate a thousand people at a wow. funeral. And so we have that. I mean, obviously even that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. I'm trying everybody coming up to give their condolences and Right. Um, give you encouragements like, oh, you, you know, you're strong, you'll make it through it. And, you know, a bunch of stuff that you just don't want to hear. Yeah. And, and they're trying to be helpful. I mean, not trying to like throw them under the bus or anything. They, yeah. I think they, they try to say what is going, they think is going to be helpful out of their own discomfort. Like it's just awkward. Yeah. They it's, don't know. Right. I mean, they don't know. And it's, it's, just, it's, it's a hard thing. Like, it's, it's super like, hard. How, do, how do I help you? Like, right. I mean, and this, right. this is 29 year old man, single father now who doesn't know Jack squat about being a dad. Yeah. Right. 
So, so we have the wake of, um, right. You know, where the family and the close family friends are all together. And I get this phone call from the hospital saying, Hey, uh, Lily's running a really high fever. You need to, you need to come in. Um, her, her, her health had taken a turn for the worse. And she had developed this, uh, it's called necrotizing enterocolitis, NEC. And the doctor said, don't, don't Google it. And oh, it's like, goodness. you know what the first thing is I'm going to do when you tell me. <laughs> yeah. It's like, don't it's touch like, your nose. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so like, yeah. So it wasn't long before I realized why he didn't tell me that. It was at the time a very dangerous thing for a, a preemie to get. It was probably one of the leading causes of death in a preemie. Oh, wow. And mm. so she's holding on. And um, I mean, I was at the hospital that day until probably four in the morning. And so just imagine waking up, going through your wife's funeral, going to the wake, just an emotional heaviness of just those things. And then mm-hmm. to have to go to the hospital and to not sleep. Um, so it's just, it was crazy and it's a crazy season and just sent me on this grief journey of trying to figure out like what that meant for me. Like why, why a lot of, you know, a lot of whys, a lot of what's, what could I have done differently? Did I fail as a, as a husband? Did I not protect my wife? Should I have known this could have happened? Um, and then like not knowing how to grieve, like, okay, like I think there's something to be said for stoicism, but that's not how I feel. Mm. So like, how can I be genuine and with my emotions, with people and, um, grieve the way that I need to grieve, give them space to grieve the way that they grieve right? and not feel like I have to be anything that they expect me to be just yeah. to be me. And, um, I was super fortunate. I am super, super fortunate to have such a great relationship with my, my in-laws and with my parents. And, um, I could be very honest about where I was at, at the time and my, and my emotions and, you know, fortunately, by that point in my life, I had uh, developed a, a good foundation of faith that mm-hmm. I could lean on. Um, and then I had just a wonderful network of friends, um, both from the church, but also not in the church, who they didn't come try to fix my problem. Mm. They just came and sat in the mess with me. And they gave me my space, kind of like uh, Adam, I think you're, you said your buddy Adam. Yeah. yeah. He, he didn't try to fix anything. He just wanted me, my friends wanted me to know that they were there. Yeah. They gave me space, so it, which I'll, ever, I'll forever be grateful. And I learned a very le- valuable lesson in getting to be on the receiving end of that. Um, but grief was hard. I mean, I, yeah, I think I, I kind of went through like the shock of it all. And then I went through like the acceptance. And then I had moments of like where it would just, surge back and it was like what yeah what the hell is going on here mm-hmm. you know yeah. like um i remember for the longest time like we would go to dinner family dinners and like we'd have a party of party of nine and they'd see that see us at a party of 10 right and i would just the whole dinner i'd stare at the empty seat oh, goodness. it was awful or uh, just real quick yeah. so we can clarify for the listeners uh you were saying lily was really sick she was really sick. So Lily's okay now. So she, okay, yeah. she, yeah. So, 
she she went through two bouts of it. Okay. And she was in the she was in the NICU for four months. She came home in May or late April, early May, and you know has surpassed every benchmark okay. medically that the the doctors ever set. And so if you were to look at her today, um, you would see a sassy 11 year old young lady, <laughs> absolutely beautiful. And it's going to give me fits as she grows <laughs> older. Um, she's tremendously smart, very hard, uh, very strong will. And, um, you wouldn't know that she was a preemie. She, she has none of the markers of a, of a preemie. Wow. But yeah. So you were, you were, experience this grief as you were saying but you were also raising this this child by yourself now because she she made it and now you're the lot i can't i can't even imagine the loss of Mm -hmm. your your wife and now you have a child from from that person and you're Mm -hmm. but it sounds like you had a good community around you so yeah that's not a good way to say that no i had a wonderful community around me but also i'd be lying if i didn't say that there were times i thought well how would this have ended up if Lily didn't make it? Yeah. If if that if she would have been one of the statistics to that awful infection, and it was just me, and I didn't have a purpose to live. Oh, yeah. After after that, like not to not that I would have done anything drastic necessarily, but the choices that I made because I was accountable to my daughter, mm-hmm. vastly different potentially than if it was just me left. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not saying you experienced this, but I could totally f- see this being a, an emotion for someone out there listening. Like, um, maybe they went something similar and they were, would have almost, you know, felt grateful if, you know, the daughter didn't make it through because now, yeah, no you way. Know, yeah. So that's, you know, that's not something to be shameful of. That's just a real no, emotion. You no, can experience. and you should be honest with your emotions. Right. And, and yeah, like I said earlier, you should be, f- you should feel free to grieve the way that you need to grieve and no one should be able to tell you otherwise. I mean, they, your good friends will, will point out bad, like dangerous behavior or whatever. Um, but in terms of like how you grieve, do you, did you ever struggle? Cause I did like, I'm supposed to feel like this, but then I didn't feel like that. Like I, I, Mm. I felt like, Cause I, I just naturally, I just don't cry a lot. I don't like, I don't, mm. I felt like I was doing it wrong a lot of the time. I felt there were times where I felt that I was holding myself together to keep other people together. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. I was, I was so concerned with how other people were doing in their grief journey that I felt that if I maintained at least an image of strength and and being able to get through it that you know they can look at how i'm dealing with it and say oh you're doing such a good job whatever you kind of the fake it till you make it yeah but um that's interesting because i feel like my go-to would be almost kind of what i think tom was hinting at is to perform a grievance so that other people know i'm feeling what i'm supposed to be feeling like i i've had issues with performance anyways just i feel like i need to perform for people mm-hmm. i need to be this excited or i need to laugh this much on the podcast or etc right. etc et because <laughs> i need to perform to make you know that i'm meeting other people's standards and mm-hmm. i can see 
you know, almost performing more grief than I was actually experiencing just so other people saw I was going through the proper emotions. Right, so right. that's interesting that you went the other way if you were the rock for everyone around you. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much I was a rock so much as I tried to portray an oh, image gotcha. of strength. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that your true self is going to come out eventually. And so I remember my brother-in-law... Marty's brother and his wife were renewing their wedding vows later that summer. And we were at, um, we were at the ceremony and man, for, of all the times for my, like me to weep, like it came out during the ceremony. I felt awful about that. Absolutely awful. And, um, because I'm, I've just missed being married. I missed everything that being married represented. And it just like, Man, I broke that that day mm-hmm. um, in front of everybody, and uh, it was just—they they all knew it. They, I was about I, to say, I—I I bet you felt more self confident I bet they didn't even think twice about it. Like, no, they yeah, didn't. that makes total sense. Yeah. <laughs> no, they, <didn't. laughs> so. no, they they never mentioned it after that, but yeah. Um, yeah. So there were times where I, I felt like I was trying to grieve a, a certain way that I thought was appropriate right. or whatever. Um, but at the same time, it was, I had, I had such purpose in being a father that like she, Lily is a blessing. She was a blessing from the jump, but, mm-hmm. um, once everything went down even more so because she gave direction and purpose mm-hmm. in my life, um, outside of my faith, but like tangible purpose in my life and her her being in the NICU for four months, well, three months basically once Marty passed away was such a blessing because it afforded me time to mm. kind of sort things emotionally and then at home and professionally and everything without juggling all that. Like I, I was at the NICU every day from, you know, I'd wake up, I'd get there, you know, seven, I was there till like nine, I'd go to the office, I'd leave the office at like two, I'd come back to the NICU and I would be at the NICU till like seven or seven or nine o'clock at night and then rinse and repeat the next day. Sure. And that routine just, I, I was able to learn how to feed her, change diapers, like do all the things. It was like, it was like dad university. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, it was like, I mean, you did, you, yeah, you had, you had, basically a bunch of nurses that were all teachers right yeah for months wow. right yeah so they said taught me everything so when it it was still terrifying to bring her home yeah drive her <laughs> car and all that stuff cannot imagine yeah but it just it just gave me direction and i and i i, I got i shake at the thought of what what would have happened if if it was different so yeah um so i grieved so, that way and so what so what were some of the like strategies you use and, and i bring it up only because i know like you know you started a was it a blog mm-hmm. so you know you yeah, kind of poured yourself out i did and, and a little bit of that mm-hmm. so a couple of strategies that i had getting through my grief one well the blog was never my idea the blog was marty's idea because she has so many friends that it was in family they're um we both come from divorced families so like the the family tree gets very forked you know it's, yeah. like, it's forked up yeah it's, it's real forked up and then um <laughs> and then add to that all the friends she was like this just 
the social chair, man. She well, she so had all a, sorts of friends. That's a detail that I didn't I didn't know. So you started it like while like it very while we were first. in the hospital, right? While we when we first delivered, oh, her, okay. and it was a way to keep everybody updated without having to update everybody. Yeah, that makes sense. So, so we we maintained it for you know that first month, and then Marty passed away, and I think God just put it on my heart that said, you know, you you need this, but everybody needs this. They mm. need to know how Lily's doing, and they they're praying for you and. If you can put it out on the blog, they know exactly what to pray for. And so, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to write it in a way that was from me, like a diary, right? Like, oh, today I went there and today I did this. I changed this nasty diaper or whatever. I wrote it from Lily's perspective. Like, what does it look like to spend your day in the isolate? What does your day look like when you're, you know, learning that, uh, feed from a bottle one ounce at a time, mm. you know, and then all through the first year, I just chronicled our journey wow. as, as, as daughter and dad. And, you know, a lot of people followed it and it was just a, it's almost like a th- catharsis, right? You mm. just kind of write it all out and, and it was great and it was fun and people really valued it. And I think that was also another thing that helped was just knowing how people appreciated mm-hmm. it and it just let me know that people were still in our corner and cheering for us so that was one strategy um and it i mean to to get to kind of the happy side of the, the coin the things that wouldn't have happened had this not happened to us marty's best friend was also a teacher and she taught with uh with molly and so there, her, that whole school was following the blog and I don't know, I don't know the whole school, but Molly was following the blog at least. And she had seen me at a, a church service and he said, Hey, hey, you're Lily's dad. And I thought that was interesting. And I thought, well, yeah, <laughs> I am like, and that had happened a few times where I'd be out and like shopping at Kroger or whatever. And you know, Hey, you're Lily's dad. Mm. Like, oh, I've got to name people. Yeah. <laughs> my name's never mentioned in the sure, blog, so they, they probably didn't know it. But yeah. um, anyway, uh, so Molly introduced herself. You'd still, you'd still answer to that. I would. Oh, yeah. man, I'm, I, lo- I love that title. <laughs> yeah, I love that's that's right. a good t- title. But um, yeah, so we we met there at church and nothing uh, more than that. And then, you know, thanks to Mark Zuckerberg and his uh, Facebook, she found me and we... Turns out we had a lot of mutual friends and we had mutual interests. So we were both very active runners at the time. And um, we would just meet up for a run and um, a friendship developed. And that friendship, you know, over months and months uh, developed into a, a relationship. And, you know, now we're, we're married. We'll be celebrating 10 years this, this uh, next year. And we've got three more beautiful children, Maya, Peter, and Sam. And... But that blog was, I, I mean, could have said no yeah. to God's pressing that on my heart and what would happen. I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, but it was a, a huge strategy and just getting my feelings out, whether that's writing or, or however people do it. Writing was one of my ways. The other, the other one that was just huge for me might not be right for everybody, but uh, when we were in the hospital, we watched, uh, Marty and I uh, watched, the Iron Man on TV, not not the movie, 
the sporting Literally. event. Oh, the okay. Hawaii, yeah, the triathlon. Yeah, yeah the <laughs> Ironman World, World Championship. And um, I had been done a few triathlons up to that point. And I was sitting there, and I remember saying, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that one day. Wow. And she looked at me, and she goes, you are a freaking idiot. She didn't say freaking. <laughs> she used the other word, but I won't be fan, friendly here. She said, you're an idiot. And I said, yeah. But she gave it, she said it with that look, like, I know you're going to do it. Yeah. So about a, I don't know, maybe six, six months passed since her passing. And, you know, I, I did like a triathlon just to have fun. And then I, re, <laughs> I, re, I remembered, I remembered that comment. It's like, well, I'm going to do this. Like I would th- it was a short triathlon, by the way, that I was doing by, at the time when I had by, this thought. By the way, yeah. just so everybody knows, because yeah. people may not know really what an Ironman actually means. Sure. Like what just. So swim, like, bu- swim, bike, run. I think they know that yeah. part. <laughs> Swim by they don't run. think. I don't think they realize yeah. so how the, I, much how that actually is and yeah. how long that takes. Right. So it's two point four mile swim. It's one hundred twelve mile on the bike, and it's a full marathon at the end, twenty six point two miles, and you're given seventeen hours to finish. Oh so you start at seven, and you have to be done by midnight. Wow! Wow! It's insane. Yeah. So, <laughs> and as you might imagine, to be ready for that, you have to do a lot of training. Yes. So, made the deci- decision to to do the, to honor that, that commitment that mm-hmm. I had made to her. And, um, so started training for it and it just, it was just healing. Cause you go out for a five hour, six hour bike ride. You have a lot of time to think. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And I had a lot of time to like converse with God and, um, like it, it almost became like the, uh, a metaphor for what I was going for because going through because when you're 80 miles into a bike ride and maybe your nutrition's off or maybe it's hot and I'll get out outside and you're just bonking or which means you're dying. Like you're, you're done, (laughs) but you got 20 more miles to go or whatever. It's like, just make it to the next pole, Mm. make it to the next tree, make it to the next stoplight. Just make one more mile, one more step. uh, If it's a long run. Mm -hmm. And I felt during that season of my life, that was my life. Yeah. I just wanted to make it to the Mm. next day. I just want to make it to the next feeding. I just want to make it, you know, it's like, just get there and you worry about the next step once you get there. And that was my walk through grief really in a nutshell was. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, I mean, I think that's a, I think that's a great metaphor for, for any, I mean, God forbid, I hope, I hope none of our listeners have to go through the extreme version of grief that you went sure. through yeah. I, I, i'm positive that you would agree with that yeah no i wouldn't <laughs> i wouldn't wish this on anybody yeah. for sure uh, like you mentioned like if if what i get out of this is knowing i can go through some tough shit sorry yeah, yeah, language, no, but you're tough good. Stuff. <laughs> um i've already cussed on yeah that. <laughs> okay, good. um that's great but I never wanted to know I could pass that test. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that was that's a not, test I didn't want to take. I want to take. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the truth is, is that I think a lot of people who hear that story, they'll, they'll often, my story or any hard story will say, I don't know how you got through that. I don't think I could do it. Mm-hmm. The answer is, yeah, you can, but you don't want to ever want to find out. Yeah. You don't want to have to go through that, but you're made, you're made of more than what you might give yourself credit for. Yeah. For sure. That's solid. So. Dang. Yeah. Yeah. But we all do it differently. I mean, her dad did it differently than 
I did, and you know, my my parents they they grieved in unique ways. I think in some ways my my dad is still grieving. Um, I, they didn't lose a daughter-in-law; they lost a daughter. They didn't, you know. So, mm-hmm. but it's just giving people space to to feel how they feel. Like I didn't I didn't have any shame about crying or any of that stuff. I didn't mm. feel like I had to be machismo. Or be be the macho guy. I once heard someone say, uh, "Tears aren't the absence of strength; it's the presence of your humanity." Mm. And it's that's it, what that is. And right. and I think as men, sometimes I feel like we're expected to be stoic and like almost absent of emotion. And maybe there is a place for stoicism, but maybe that's just not who you are. Maybe you're wired emotionally mm-hmm. and. This right. is what you grieve, and you should be okay with that. And then you you mentioned, one of you mentioned about how do we help our children through grief? Right. Like when you share your story with your children, like how are they going to receive it? Yeah. Well, for Lily, we've never hidden the fact that she had a wonderful mother who mm. who she lost. And so for for the early years, she accepted that as children do. They just accept whatever you tell them mm-hmm. is fact. Mm-hmm. And, but now she's maturing mm-hmm. and she's coming into an age where she is t- putting together timelines and she realizes that they coincide with her birth and like wrestling with like, well, am I responsible? Even mm. though she's not, like that's not a logical thing, but that, but it's what she's doing. She's, she's essentially going into the grief process. Yeah. And like, how do you, coach someone through grief who's young doesn't really understand everything right yet um but has been just kind of dealt a crappy hand Mm -hmm. from from the get-go like i don't think the answer is well i don't think the answer is just well look how great things have worked out right you've got a wonderful (laughs) mom and you've got three beautiful siblings and all that stuff that's not the right answer yeah the the least syndrome which yeah. we've talked about a couple times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't at least, don't at, at least, least it. Oh, don't at yeah. least it. Right. Yeah. Don't, don't say, well, at right. least it, it's not this. Or at least it's not this. Right. So yeah. look at it. At least you got oh, it. To- yeah. It totally worked out fine. Like, why are you, why are you like it? Right. Right. It's like, no, that's not, yeah, it's real. Right. Like, it's, their emotions are real and, it, yeah. Yeah, you have to respect and honor those. Um, so, you know, we're, we're navigating that now. Yeah. Um, it's not every day, you know, it just comes up, you know, from time to time, but it's a challenge. I mean, it, and it's really hard for me as a father, like what, what do I share? How much detail do I give? Did, um, and I've always kind of said, well, you ask a question, I'll answer it. Uh, We'll see if I can continue to do that as the questions get harder and harder. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really hard. I, when you were telling your story about your friend and that those emotions start to get stirred up. Mm-hmm. Like every time I tell the story for the first time to, to somebody who's not heard it, I get welled up. Yeah. If it's people who have heard it before, I can share it. No problem. When I'm sharing it with Lily and, and the detail that I share it, I can share it. in. I mean, it wrecks me. Yeah. And, and so, it's like going back through it again. It's a bit scary, but yeah. wow. we need to do it. Yeah. And I'll, I'll say 
I just thinking, you know, I will give this shout out when I was saying on that emotional intelligence episode, if you listened, when I said I came to fathers for the first time and then I was hooked, it was actually Sean here who gave the talk on emotional intelligence that hooked me on father. So anyways, so <laughs> shout out to that. There um, you go. But I, I would say I, I was thinking through this and, you know, grief, grief and loss is going to happen. Um, you know, and eventually we're gonna have to, in, in one way or another, do that with our, our children is each child's going to be different. And, I, you know, that seems to be a theme that I, I'm, you know, really starting to hammer home with me lately is, you know, how can I prepare for that? How can I prepare? Because every day we're talking about just navigating your everyday scenarios. Now, you know, amplify that too. Now there's grief and loss and how to, how is each child going to handle it and how can you be there for them? And yeah, so anyways, it, it just, it made me think, you know, it sounds like Lily's a, a strong kid. Right. Would you necessarily a- attack that, you know, grief coaching the same way you would with say your twin boys or whatever? Not even close. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even the twin boys who are identical and are genetic twins are totally different. Yeah. So um, if they're different, they're definitely going to be different. And Lily is different. Uh, and how they handle things. And, um, yeah, I just want to honor where she's at and she's free to ask whatever questions she needs to ask and we'll answer them. And, um, yeah, I think that's my experience of grief. I mean, if I were to bullet point them, honor your spot wherever you are, Mm. don't try to be somewhere where you're not. Um, be patient with people mm. because they may be hurting, but they also may very well be completely confused and want to help. but have no idea how to help. Yeah. Find whatever sense of normalcy that you can. Like the grief's going to be there, but if you can establish some, some normalcy, some normal rhythms in your life mm-hmm. it was helpful. Um, and, I mean, to the extent that you're comfortable, talk about it because, you know, things that are kept in the dark fester. So, Definitely. like, you don't want to isolate yourself, um, even if that's just, that. if that's an atom, yeah. Hope yeah. I hope you have an atom in your life. Yeah. Um, find that person. And, and it's just, you got to be patient. I mean, it takes yeah. time. I mean, I, I think even 11, uh, well, 11 years removed from it, you know, I scratched the scar and it hurts, but like it's the biggest scar I have in my life mm-hmm. by far. I don't think understandably, but it's also like the evidence of the greatest healing. Any scar is evidence of healing, right? So sure. like if you, mm-hmm. like, I don't, I'm not trying to paint a rose on a crappy situation, but <laughs> I mean that this is the reality of a situation is, is time does heal if, mm-hmm. and God heals. Like I'm, I'm found, I'm rooted in my faith. So yeah. I believe that. God had a big hand in everything that I've been able to um, achieve or experience since that dark day. And um, yeah, that scar is just a part of my testimony. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this has been awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. No, I I appreciate the opportunity to share my story and, and to hear yours. I mean, I think it's a good example that we all experienced different circumstances and we all have stuff that we're dealing with today 
Like it doesn't have to be as heavy as a loss of a spouse or a loved one. We all experience grief. Yeah. And, uh, for sure. If we can give like, if you get one tool from yes. listening for, to this, that's great. That's yeah. Worth it. Yeah. So. You're, you're just not going to be ready for it until it happens. And when it, no. and, and even, even each grief and even each loss and how you grieve, it's going to happen differently. Yep. So I wouldn't say there's a way to prepare, but there are right. some things you you can try to remember when you're experiencing it. You know, mm-hmm. like you said, the list you gave, which I think is pretty solid. So, yeah, no, I think uh, I think it's I think it's awesome. I think it's great advice. I think if you are trying to be a friend to somebody who's going through it, yes. just try to just be there for them. Like, and, and there's no manual on how to do it because of everything Sean said is everybody's going to do it differently. They're going to do it differently from day to day. They're going to do it differently from, you know, sometimes they're going to want to talk about it. Sometimes they're going to want everything to just feel like it's normal again. And we're just talking about, you know, how terrible the Bengals are. You know, <laughs> there's plenty to talk about there. Oh, unfortunately, that's, that's a constant in your life. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. taxes so. and a losing Bengals record. Is so. Certainties in life. You know, it, it's just what, whatever, whatever that is. Just, just try to come beside them. Try to not at least them. You know, because, and try to not say that you know what they're feeling because you probably don't. Cause even if you had the exact same circumstances as they actually have, you're going to experience that exact same situation differently than they are. Absolutely. Right. Because we're just built different. So even if the situation is exactly the same, you're still not feeling the exact same thing that they are. So that was personally something that always drove me nuts when people were like, Oh, well, you know, I totally, you know, I get it. I, we had four miscarriages and I don't mean it to say that like what they went through su- didn't suck. Cause it probably right. did like, you know, it's just probably not what they want to hear. Yeah. Right. And, and, and you, I know people say that and they mean the best out of it. And it's, you know, if you're the one going through the grief, you got to also give them grace cause they right. don't know what to do. They don't know, you know, whatever. But, yeah. I don't know. Grief sucks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. And, but, and not to keep harping on the same point, but I do feel like we keep saying, and if you're out there listening, and we'll, we'll just continue to encourage you, find a community of people that you can talk right. to. That's yeah. just. You can't understate the importance of that. That's right. And I know really? it, if you're out there and you've been listening, you're like, I want that. I'm just going to continue to encourage you. Just keep trying, keep putting your effort. And I know this is a weird time in the world, um, but it is. it's it's going to be worth kind of the ups and downs of, of going through it for situations like this. You know, just, you know, this is just like a highlight of, of how important a community can be. So, right. And, you know, to some extent, I mean, so we are, as a, put a little feeler out there. We're, we're thinking we're going to have a little mini version of a, of a meetup slash uh, live event yeah. here in the, in November here. So it's coming. We're still trying to work out details on location and that, but come have a beer with us. Come hang out. I mean, we're, we're, I know, I know these guys are just good dudes. They can just come hang out you can have a beer. You can have a coffee. You can have, you know, we've got, 
friends that where a beer isn't a great choice. Right. Um, you know, we've got friend wherever you are, I guarantee this group of guys that are going to show up to this place are going to be people that you're going to like to hang out with because we're, they're all over the place. They're just, ran, they're just really good dudes. So come hang out, find your circle. Um, it'll be here in Cincinnati. So it'll be in November. We'll, it'll be on, it'll be on the Twitter. It'll be on the Instagram <laughs> and, uh, and it'll be on Facebook. Uh, once we get the final details, but it'll be November. We're thinking the Monday after Thanksgiving. That's right. Yeah. So, um, anyway, keep posted. <laughs> we'll keep you posted. Uh, thanks for Sean, especially. Yes, thank you, thanks Sean. for joining us. Oh, thanks. Uh, thanks for, me. I think thanks for doing is, what you're doing. Things has been awesome. Um, hit us up on at just dad's podcast on Twitter and Instagram. And then just as podcast on at gmail.com for email. And then we got Facebook again, just as podcast. <laughs> I think you guys can figure it out by now, but, uh, Thanks, everybody, for hanging out with us, and we will see you on the next one. Thanks. Thanks. What's